Good morning. Oh, yes. It worked. Yay. Hey, good to see you guys. My, My name is not Anne. Okay. Should I? Okay. Hello. Hi. Good morning. My name is Ann Hansen. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so excited. I get to preach the last week of this series called Shape It. And for the past couple weeks, we have been learning how to shape our lives. Um, I always love a new year. Do you guys love a new year? I still count this as a new year right now. <laughs> I'm still working on, you know, figuring out what this year is going to be about. But uh, for me, I love the new year. We get to start fresh. We get to think about um, what we want our lives to look like for 2019. And through this series, when we've been able to uh, talk about uh, shaping our finances, shaping the patterns of our life, uh, shaping our um, health, and now we get to talk about shaping our relationships. So I'm excited about that. Um, if you guys would turn to uh, John 13, um, I'll, I'll be getting there in just a minute. But have you guys ever looked on Instagram or Facebook? There's um, a, a hashtag that you can look up and it says relationship goals. Hashtag relationship goals. Actually, don't do it because a lot of funky stuff comes up. But, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, there's 10.8 million posts on Instagram alone uh, with the hashtag relationship goals. I mean, we are definitely interested in relationship goals. We are definitely interested in figuring out how to do relationships. But we are going to look in God's word today. We're going to take our cue from Jesus today about how we can nurture relationships in our lives. Um, but... As you're turning there still, have you guys ever heard of the Harvard Grant Study? The Harvard Grant Study. Anybody? Okay. This is a study that I came across recently. It's so fascinating. It was a 75-year study. It started a long time ago, and it ended in 2013. It was 75 years. So if you guys are good at math, you can figure that out. But um, so it, it took 268 male Harvard grads and studied them for 75 years to see what are the pillars of happiness? What makes people truly happy? And so that, they followed these men for 75 years to determine what the answer of that would be. And there was a guy named George Valent. He was the Harvard psychiatrist that ran the study for 32 of those years. And this is what he said. Love is really all that matters. Wow, isn't that interesting? From Harvard, Harvard, Harvard. Okay, love is really all that matters. Love is the key to a happy and fulfilling life. And there are two pillars of happiness. Two pillars. One is love, and the other is figuring out how to cope with life in a way that does not push love away. Wow, isn't that amazing? Let that just sink in. For, it blew my mind. The first pillar of happiness is love. And then the second pillar of happiness is finding a way to cope with life that does not push love away. Wow. Wow. Okay, wow. I'll say wow for all of us. Okay. Wow. Wow. And he also went on to say the only thing that matters in life is relationships only thing. These are Harvard people that are saying this, okay? The only thing that matters in life is relationships. A man could have a successful career, could have so much money, could have so much health, but without supporting loving relationships, it would mean nothing. Joy is connection. The more areas in your life you make connections, the better. Strong relationships are the strongest 
predictor of life satisfaction. Isn't that wild? Wow. So Harvard has proved that we were made for connections and that love is really the only thing that matters. I mean, if you, if you didn't get it from Scripture, you've got it from Harvard. <laughs> There's the proof. 75 years. Okay, so we are made for connection. And so I'm going to start with John chapter 13. If you can follow along in your Bible or your Bible app or whatever you brought with you, uh, I'm going to start with verse 31, and it says this. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer, and as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Okay. Would you keep verse 34 up for me? Now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. So the context of this is that Jesus knew that it was all about to go down. It was all going to go down. He was about to be betrayed, humiliated, crucified. You know, all this chaos was going to break loose among the disciples. He knew everything that was going to happen. He knew that it was down to the wire, and he had just a few moments left to tell the disciples uh, what he needed them to know. And he chose to say this, a new command I give you, love each other. Just as I have loved you, so you should love each other. And so he was saying, this is a new command. Don't love each other according to the law. Don't love each other um, in any other way. Love each other as I have loved you, as I have loved you. And so I'm, um, I'm going to lead us to the main point that I have for today. If you're taking notes, is this. Love is my choice, and I choose to love well. Amen. Amen. Yes. Can you guys say that with me? Ready? Go. Love is my choice, and I choose to love well. Love is my choice. I choose to love well. So that's the main idea. Love is my choice. I choose to love well. We're in this series called Shape It, and we're learning what we can do, what we can do to make our lives matter, to, to shape our lives in the way that we want it to become. We're shaping our finances. We're shaping all these areas, and you can shape your life to have loving relationships, to love well, to make that choice of love and to love well. And so I know you might be thinking, gosh, well, I wish my ex-best friend were here <laughs> or my ex-wife. She needs to hear this message. But you know what? We're not going to worry about all that. We're going to choose for ourselves that we're going to love well. Love is going to be our choice. So I'm a very practical person, and I want to um, just, I, I want us to have uh, handles to hold on to, to figure out, okay, it's so nebulous, right? Love is my choice. I choose to love well. But we need something, we need like uh, handles to hold on to, to figure out how are we going to love well. We're going to choose to love well. So I'm going to give you four handles today, and the first one is this. Ready? It is lean in. Lean in. Can everyone say lean in? Lean in. Okay, if you guys want to interact with me today, that would be awesome. If you want to smile at me? You guys are pretty intimidating, actually. Okay, so if you want to smile, look happy, yay, smile, that would be awesome. Okay, so the first choice for us today to love well is to lean in. And here's the truth. The truth is that some of us are just tolerating our relationships. 
Okay. Ooh, ow, okay. Some of us are just tolerating our relationships. Some of us are just trying to figure out, okay, how can I keep this relationship and put myself at a safe enough distance away from that person to tolerate this relationship? How much distance do I need between me and my husband to keep myself safe? Right? And that's how we're going through life. We're, we're just tolerating. We're just keeping ourselves at a, a safe distance of disconnection. We're, we're gathering skills around how to disconnect. You know? But that is not what we're going to do anymore. We're going to choose to lean in. Lean into our relationships. Can you guys all read this scripture with me? It comes from Colossians. Ready? Go. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving, right? So God's word is so clear. Work at it with all your heart, whatever you do. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. So I wanna encourage you in your relationships, decide today, you know what? Relationships matter. Harvard said so, right? We need to, <laughs> we need to work on our relationships. We, th this is gonna make me happy. This is gonna bring the most joy and fulfillment in my, in my life. I need to work on my relationships. Relationships matter. I'm gonna lean in and invest. I'm gonna invest my time, my heart, I'm going to invest my, um, my money even. I mean, whatever it is, my efforts, everything that God has given me to invest, I'm going to invest into my relationships. And then if you are a man here, John had a special message for you today that he wanted me to pass along. <laughs> he said, tell the men that they need to have friends. <laughs> so, okay, there you go. Hey. So, um, but it's true. I think men have a hard time developing friendships for some reason or another. I think women, we're really good at, a lot of us are really good at developing friendships and taking the time to invest in friendships. But the fact is men need friendships just as much as women, right? And not just with their wife, <laughs> not just with their kid, right? We all need friendships. So I want to encourage you, if you have no friends and you're a man, or if you're a woman, I want to encourage you. I'm sorry that's harsh, but if you have no friends, decide this year, I'm going to make friends. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make friends. I'm going to really invest. I'm going to find friends. I'm going to get involved in the church. I'm going to join a team. I'm going to join a life group. I'm going to um, pursue that person at work. I'm going to make the time and effort to make friends, and I'm going to get three friends this year, or even one, you know, but three friends are, are better than one. Okay, yeah, do that. Do that, okay? Um, so a long time ago, I'm, I'm from Virginia, and I decided in my 20s that I was going to move to California. So I, um, and I was going to make that trip cross country because I wanted to take my car. And so one of my friends could take the trip with me, but um, couldn't leave until Wednesday after work. So we made the trip from Virginia, like I, I lived by the D.C., Washington, D.C. area, all the way to L.A., uh, we left Wednesday at 6 p.m., and we got to L.A. at Saturday at 4 a.m. Isn't that crazy? I know, two and a half days. I made it here in two and a half days. And, and actually, uh, I'm a terrible driver, and I... Um, <laughs> 
and I just put it in cruise control, right? That's, I just cruise controlled it all the way across the country. And, uh, and I don't remember a lot of this trip at all because I was completely checked out. Like, I just cruise control, you know, cruise control through, like, like hundreds and hundreds of miles of just road, open road, you know? And a lot of us are, a lot of us are doing that with our relationships. We're just putting it in cruise control, you know, we're bored, we're distracted, we're irritated, we're checked out, and our relationships are in cruise control. And I do not believe that that is the heart of God. I believe that he wants us to lean in. Lean in, pay attention, invest in the relationships in your life. Lean in. Don't just tolerate your relationships. Lean in, lean in, lean in, and invest. Make that intention in your heart. I'm gonna choose to invest into these relationships. Okay, so are you guys going to lean in? Yes? Okay, good. Okay. So the second handle that I'm giving you after we lean in, the second thing I want to ask you to do is to lay it down. So if you're taking notes, that's the second fill-in. It's lay it down. Lay it down. Okay, so whatever that thing is that you might be carrying, I'm going to encourage you to lay it down. Whether it's offense or anger, or bitterness. John told me last night, hey, you need to add unmet expectations. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> okay, unmet expectations. He said that's a big one. Okay, so um, whatever it is that you're carrying around, I'm going to ask you to lay it down. Lay it down. Psalm 55:22. let's read this together. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. If you could just keep it up there, yeah. Imagine, just for a second, use your imaginations and just imagine that someone threw a massive boulder at you, okay? And for some reason, you have enough strength to catch it. Okay, so you're holding this massive boulder. Then what would you do with it next? Drop it. Oh, okay. You would drop it, right? Because can you imagine how much energy it would take for you to carry that boulder and to keep carrying that boulder? And you might not even know why they threw that boulder at you. I mean, they, they didn't explain. They didn't clarify. And you're just holding this boulder and you're going, oh, man, it's so heavy. Uh, it's exhausting me. It's draining all my energy. It's um, taking, my arms are hurting. You would just immediately drop that boulder, wouldn't you? You would just lay it down. Lay that thing down. Well, guess what? Sometimes we throw emotional boulders at each other, right? We might throw boulders at each other of anger, and then you've, you've caught this emotional boulder of anger. And you're like, oh. And you're just holding this boulder of anger, this boulder of accusation. And you're like, oh. You like that sound? Okay. So you're, so you're holding that boulder and it's miserable. You're just holding it going, what am I? Oh, you're just killing me to hold this boulder of accusation. And you're holding it and holding it. And guess what? If you hold it too long, guess what you're going to want to do with it? Throw it right back in their face, right? It's going to make you mad to carry that thing for so long. It's going to become an operating system for you. You're like, oh, you're going to throw accusation at me? Mm, boom, I'm going to throw it right back at you. But Scripture calls us to lay it down, right? And God is so good because he says, give your burdens to the Lord, lay it down, and it comes with a promise. God is so good. And he says what? He will take care of you. 
So you don't have to take care of yourself. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to, you know, just deal with your broken arms. You can give it to the Lord, give all your burdens to the Lord, and He will take care of you. That is such good news. Isn't that good news? Yeah. So I want to encourage you to lay that thing down. Whatever you're carrying around from that relationship, I want to encourage you to lay it down. Lay it down. Lay it down. And maybe some of you guys are sitting here going, I don't, I'm not carrying anything. No, no, not me. No, I'm not carrying anything. Okay, well, you can just ask Jesus, okay? Because he'll let you know. Yes, he will. He will let you know. And that's straight from Scripture because Psalm 139 says, like, you know, search my heart, oh God. Test me. Know every anxious thought. See if there's any offensive way in me, right? And if you ask the Lord to search your heart, God, is there anything I'm holding on to? Anything I need to lay down? Boom. He's going to come and just tell you, guess what? Yeah, you need to lay down that bitterness. Oh, bitterness. Put it, just put that thing down, you know? And he will answer you immediately. If you ask the Lord, he will answer you, and he will help you to see the truth because he is the spirit of truth, okay? So we're going through these things. Okay, the first thing we're going to do is gonna lean in. Lean in. We're going to invest. We're going to be intentional with our relationships. The second thing we're going to do is Lay it down. Lay that thing down. And the third thing we're going to do, if you're taking notes, is we are going to listen. Listen, Linda. Listen. Where's Linda? No, I'm kidding, Linda. <laughs> listen. Listen. We need to listen. Listen. Okay, listen. Listen. Okay, we need to listen. So James chapter 1. Let's read this together. It's a good verse. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be, I'll be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Can you go back to verse 19? Yeah, this is so important. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. God's word, there's so much truth in God's word, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Have you ever been talking with someone and maybe it's a conversation or maybe it's a heated conversation, right? And you're, you're talking and you're trying to say something and you're trying to express yourself and you know that they're not listening to you. They're really just trying to form their next comeback, you know? Isn't that annoying? It's so annoying, right? And I've done it too, right? Okay, but we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to be quick to listen. Listen for understanding. Listen to understand them. Be slow to speak. Don't be quick to make that comeback. Be slow to speak. Slow to become angry. And, you know, I just had something that just happened to me just the other night. I've been working on this sermon all week, and then I, bam, I got hit. Okay, so well, um, on Friday night, John and I, we were getting ready to go to bed, and um, I was downstairs, and I'm looking at the kitchen, and it's a mess yet again. Okay, <laughs> just, 
I, I have made it my uh, mission to not be the maid. Anyone with me, right? Okay, I will not be the maid, okay? Okay, okay. So I'm not going to be the maid. So I see the kitchen is a mess because Toby had decided to have ramen after dinner. It's like the second dinner because he's 16, right? Okay, so he's having another meal, and he just left all the pots there, and just it just irritates me. So I'm like, Toby, Toby, you know, so I got him to come downstairs. I'm like, listen, these are your dishes. You're going to clean all your dishes. I'm not going to going to clean that pot. You're going to clean that pot. I'm not going to clean it. You're, you're going to clean it, right? And he's like, oh, okay, you know, so he just cleans that pot, and I, I, I'm like going upstairs because I'm just, I just need to go to bed. So John and I go to bed. The next morning, I wake up. The first thing I do in the morning is I come downstairs, and I make myself a cup of tea, right? Um, and so I'm making myself a cup of tea, and what do I see? The pot, right? I'm just like, oh, now you have done it. Now you have done it because you have left the pot. Oh, you have crossed your mother. So I'm just irritated because the pot is on the stove, right? And and now at this point, it's like the ramen bits are like dried and hard and, you know, just like all congealed onto the pot. And I'm just so irritated. So I wash the pot because I'm irritated. But anyway, I go upstairs and I march up the stairs and I go to Toby. And actually he's sleeping, but I knock on the door. I'm like, listen up, Toby. You are going to wash your pot because I asked you to wash your pot last night. What part of washing the pot do you not understand? I, can I be more clear? What did you not understand? When I said wash the pot, I really meant wash the pot. You need to obey mommy. Like, you need to obey mommy. Well, wash the pot. You need to go wash the pot right now. You did not wash the pot. I don't understand why you wouldn't wash the pot when I asked you to wash the pot. Right? Right? He's like, I washed the pot. I'm like, no, you didn't, right? I found it on the stove. No, you didn't. It was right there. He's like, I washed the pot. I washed the pot. And then Noah comes out of the room. He's like, oh, that was me. (laughs) Oh, gosh. It was so bad. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. It was bad. It was bad. And then I hear Jesus going, remember, listen, <laughs> listen, listen, Linda, remember? I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I need to listen. I need to stop being angry. Okay, so then I had to apologize to Toby. And, you know, I really hurt Toby's feelings because he felt so accused. I mean, first thing in the morning, this, like, little, yeah, Korean mama, ah! you know, he's, like, feeling awful. His day got off to a great start, right? And he's feeling awful, and then me, I need to now apologize to my 16-year-old son, you know? That's just always fun, too. So, um, and I could have avoided the whole thing if I could have just taken the time to ask, is that your pot? Did you, did you happen to leave that pot after I told you to wash it? You know, I could have asked him instead of starting with that accusation and so quick to speak and slow to listen, right? There's another scripture. It comes from Proverbs 18, verse 13. Let's answer this. Okay, this is John's favorite verse, okay? So this is what it's like in my house. John, John loves verses like this. He just like quotes them to me all the time. Okay, so this is Proverbs 18, 13. Let's read together. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Yeah, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Wow, okay. Scripture is very clear. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. And so sometimes... We answer before listening because we have a story in our mind, 
and we're answering with the story in our mind because we have a narrative inside, right? And so what story are you telling yourself that you are answering before listening by, by telling yourself this story? So a couple years ago, um, John had asked me to preach, and I was very nervous about preaching because I didn't really want to do it, didn't feel qualified, didn't feel like people were going to receive me. And I was telling myself this story inside, like, people are going to hate it. People are going to reject me. They're all going to, like, storm out of the church. It's going to be awful. People, it's going to be an explosion. People are going to just, like, explode because I'm preaching, right? So anyway, so then I go to preach that weekend, and I just face all my fears. I do it. And then guess what? People are like walking out of the room, and I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was right. Look at them just walking out of the room one by one. Here's another, here's another, here's another, here's another. And I just see them all like walking out of the room. And so they see another one just left. Okay, so uh, and then, so I go home, and, you know, people are so gracious, and they're like, good job, good job. You did it. You did a good job. And they're so kind to me. But I went home that afternoon, and I told John, I'm like, babe, listen, I'm never doing that again because guess what? Everyone left. Left, right? Did you see the whole room empty? <laughs> uh, this person left, that person left, and it's just like one after the other. They were just like dropping like flies, dropping like flies, and it was awful, and I know it's because they, they don't want me to preach, babe. They don't want me to preach. They're rejecting me. They, they just hate it. It's awful, and he's like, or they just had to go to the bathroom, you know? They had to pick up their kid that was screaming, you know, because it happens to me too, and I'm like, oh, but, but that doesn't fit with my story, babe. <laughs> Yeah, but scripture is clear. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. So I want you to take a moment when you go home, not right now, okay, but take a moment to, <laughs> to ask yourself, what story am I telling myself? What's that inner narrative that's playing in my head about that person, about my wife, about my husband, about my best friend, about my coworker, about my sister? What is that narrative that I'm telling myself? And am I answering before listening right now? You know, I want to encourage you, take the time to listen. Listen, okay? So we are, that was number three, right? The first one, again, is going to, we're going to lean in. The second one, we're going to lay it down. The third one, we're going to listen, okay? And the fourth one we're going to do to nurture healthy relationships and to love well is we are going to leap into obedience, that's what we're going to do. We're going to leap into obedience. Leap into obedience. I'm going to read a, a scripture, a passage in 1 Samuel 15, but I want to just give you a quick overview of the context of this situation. So in 1 Samuel 15, Saul is king, and God had told Saul that he needs to kill the entire uh, nation of Amalek, the, all the Amalekites, right? To kill all the Amalekites, to kill all their cattle because they had come against the Israelites and God was like, boom, I'm going to kill them, right? And I, wanna, I want you to kill them. So Saul's like, okay, I'm going to do that. Okay, I'm going to do that. So he decides to go and he kills all the Amalekites, but he chooses to leave King Agag. The king of the Amalekites. He's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that guy because I want to keep him. And then instead of killing all the cattle, he decides to keep the best ones because he's like, you know what? I'm going to use the best ones and I'm going to sacrifice them to the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. That's a, that's a good idea, Saul. That's a good idea. But then God says, no, that was wrong. Partial obedience is com complete rebellion. 
partial obedience is complete rebellion. So he gets this message from Samuel the prophet. In verse 22, we can start reading from the screen. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifice, or your obedience to his voice? Listen! Listen again, right? Obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. Wow. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Wow. Partial obedience is complete rebellion, right? Saul decided, no, no, no. I want to keep the king because he might be valuable to me. And then I'm going to keep the best cattle because then I can use that to sacrifice it to God and he'll be happy with me, right? But partial obedience is complete rebellion. And so the fourth handle that I'm giving you to develop healthy relationships is to leap into obedience. Leap into obedience. So whatever it is that God is asking you to do in your relationship, leap into obedience. Don't overthink it. Don't hem and haw about it. Don't hesitate. Don't talk back to God even, just leap into obedience, whatever it is that he's asking you to do. If God is asking you right now, go affirm your husband. And you're like, no, he hasn't affirmed me in five years. Why do I need to affirm my husband, right? Just do it. Just do it because you need to leap into obedience. Before you can think about it, before you can just uh, convince yourself to not do it, leap into obedience. If he's asking you, go give your best friend a hug right now. You're like, no, she's so rude. She said, she's, she's so rude and she hasn't even called me in two weeks. No, go give her a hug. Listen to the voice of the Lord and leap into obedience. You know, sometimes we struggle because we wonder about justice. You know, we are hesitant about obeying the Lord because we want our justice. We want justice. If we obey the Lord, does that mean I'm not going to get my justice? Right? Because we, we're, we believe that we're convinced that we're the only ones that are, are concerned about justice. But I'm asking you to trust that if you obey the Lord, that he will make sure that you get your justice. It's good. Yeah, it's good. I just affirmed myself. Okay, so one time, <laughs> I'm the pastor of prayer over the Freedom Ministries, and one time I had a, a, a prayer session with a woman. She had been really hurt by her husband, okay? And that happens. We hurt each other, and she had been hurt by her husband. And she was devastated because she had been the one in the relationship to kind of do everything right, you know? And um, so she was devastated that she had to forgive her husband. And, and that's what the Lord told her. When we asked the Lord, God, what would you want me to do right now in my marriage? And then she heard the Lord saying, forgive your husband. She's like, no! She's just wailing, no! What about me? What about my justice? God, I've done everything right. And she's just crying out to the Lord, being just honest before the Lord, like, what about me? What about my justice? And guess what the Lord said to her, clear as day. He said, he said to her, you're going to get your justice. You're going to get your justice. But justice is not going to come in punishment of your husband. Justice is going to come in the fact that you're going to get what your heart wants, which is a restored marriage. Yeah, that's your justice. You're going to get a restored marriage. So forgive your husband. 
right? And so she, the Lord is working it out for us to get our justice. You don't have to fight for your own justice. I know it's painful to obey the Lord sometimes, but on the other side is goodness. On the other side is justice. On the other side is joy. So I want to challenge you and encourage you to leap into obedience. Whatever it is that God is asking you to do, take a moment to ask him, God, what would you have me do right now? What would you have me do right now in terms of that relationship, in terms of my son, in terms of my, my best friend that we're at odds right now? What would you have me do, God? And then quickly obey the voice of the Lord. Quickly obey the voice. Leap into obedience. I'm not going to go into the, the topic of dysfunctional relationships, but I will say that you are never meant to rescue someone. That's not your job. That's not your job. Your, do, your job is never going to be to rescue someone. You can love someone without rescuing them. Okay, Love and rescue are two very different things. And if you are wondering what the difference is, you can just simply ask yourself a very straightforward question. Should they be doing this themselves? And if the answer is yes, let it go. Okay? They're 25. Should they be paying their own rent? Okay, yes, let it go. You know? Should they be doing their own job search? Yes. Okay, okay, let it go. Should, be they, should, should they be um, picking up their own prescriptions from the pharmacy? Oh, okay, yes. They need to care about their health more than you do. Okay, let it go. Let it go. If you are wondering about how to have healthier relationships, um, I want to encourage you to come to the marriage conference in February, but only if you're married. It's, it's for married couples. So that, that's for married couples. So come in February sometime. I think it's the third weekend. I don't remember. But... 22nd, I heard someone say it. So that will be really good. You can come and learn a lot more about this for the sake of your marriage. And then in May, we're doing a healthy relationships class. It's four weeks, and you can come to that also. It's going to be really, really good. Dr. Mary Sims is going to teach that class, and she's, she's an expert. But um, that's all I have, so maybe we should pray. <laughs> okay, let's just pray. Okay, Jesus, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good. Thank you, God, that we get to know what love looks like because you are love. Thank you that you don't ask us to do something that you haven't done first. You go before us. You teach us what love is, and you say, do what I do. Love like I have loved you. Thank you, God, that our starting point is that we get to receive the love of God first, to know what it is, and then to give it away. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would help us with our relationships. Help us, God, to do what you want us to do, to lean in hard, to invest, to be intentional, to lay down all that stuff that doesn't belong to us, those heavy boulders uh, that are too much for us to bear. Thank you, God, that you teach us to listen Thank you, Lord, that you call us to obey you, to leap into obedience. God, I'm asking that you would quicken us to your spirit, quicken us to your voice, and that you would give us success in our relationships, the only thing that matters. Thank you, God, for that Harvard grant study, that science proves what you've been saying all along, God, what you've been saying all along, that love 
is the only thing. Love is the highest thing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And with every eye closed, if there's anyone here that you need to say yes to Jesus, I want to encourage you to make that decision today. Jesus is love. If you need Jesus in your life, he will give you the love that you need. Remember that study that said that the pillars of happiness, love, and then figuring out how to cope with life to not block love? Jesus has done that for you. He spilled his blood on the cross to get rid of your sins, to cover them completely. His sacrifice on the cross, his death and resurrection made a way for you. If you want to say yes to Jesus, I want to encourage you to raise your hand right now to say yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes, I need you. Yes, I need you to save me, to rescue me. Yes, I want my name written in the book of life. Okay, thank you. See you in the back. Thank you. Okay, so just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I trust you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I trust you to make wrong things right in my life, to release that justice of God, that mishpat justice of God that I need. Thank you, Lord, for being the one that's going to teach me what love is. I invite you to do that. I invite you to make wrong things right, to make all things new, to give me a new beginning today to wash away all of my sin, to wash away all the guilt, all the shame, and to make it new again. Make me new again, Lord. Thank you, God. You are worthy. We open ourselves up to your spirit to teach us, to transform us, make us new, Lord. Give us success in our relationships, Lord. Help us to not give up. If there's anything else, Lord, that you want to say, God, would you say it right now? Okay, right away, I just see Jesus, like he's picking up a corner of a rug and saying, hey, all that stuff that you've swept under the rug, let's deal with it. No more denial. Denial is not helping you. Yeah, denial is not helping you. Let's just, let's just be real. Let's be honest today. Spirit of truth is here to help you. And he's just helping you clear it out. He's lifted up that, and it's gross under the, <laughs> it's gross under the rug, but he's, he's cleaning it away with you. He's saying, let's, let's do this. Let's get rid of the junk, the secrets. Secrets aren't helping you. Let's get rid of it. I see someone saying like, I only have half a heart because my heart has been broken so many times. And I just see the Lord saying, that's a lie. That's a lie. I'm here to make you whole. You don't, you don't need that other person to come in, back into your life to be whole. I'm here to make you whole right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Jesus, we receive that truth that you're the one that makes us whole that you're the one that completes us. We don't need another man. Yes, we need relationships, but we, we don't look to other men and other women to make us complete. We look to you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I see someone bringing like a big pot of like a mess, like a dirty mess. And Jesus is saying, even with that, I can make a beautiful thing. I can make beauty from all of your mess, all that crap in your life, I can turn it into beauty. 
if you trust me, if you give it to me, if you surrender it to me right now, I will make it beautiful. I, this is my promise. I will care for you. I will make all things beautiful in your life. You can trust me. And I also hear the Lord saying that this is not a sprint. Okay, we're not going to sprint out of here like, okay, I'm going to fix it today. Everything I'm going to fix today. No. It's a marathon, and he's on this journey with you. Okay? So, Jesus, thank you, Lord, so much for your word today. Thank you, God. We love you. We honor you. We trust you, God. You've been so good. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.